2: It's another film study. We're going to look back at week 11 once again, focus on this high-power ho- offense. All of a sudden, it's scoring a bunch of points. Ken McKusick, how you doing?
3: You know, just riding on a cloud right now. I, I, I don't want this ride to stop. It's been so terrific these last six weeks, and really nothing like it since 2000 in terms of a winning streak or a, or a, a, a run. The only thing close is the 2012 playoffs.
2: Yeah, I mean, you don't really want to wait until Monday, have that extra day of having to wait one more day for a game.
3: Kind of sucks. We're, we're going to go out to L.A. for the game, then we're coming back, and yeah, it's go, it's going to be a tight week with Thanksgiving in terms of all that we we do with podcasts and whatnot. Now, that's just my limited perspective. Everybody else, they have to wait a day for football.
2: Right, right. <laughs> I got to go to work before the next Ravens game and wait all day. So, I, I right, enjoy your trip to L.A., Um You'll get to check out that cool, tiny soccer stadium.
3: <laughs> they, they don't play there. They play at the Coliseum. They don't play we, the little did, stadium it, anymore? The Chargers. Oh, the, oh, oh it's yeah, the
2: Chargers. We, I got the two mixed yeah. up.
3: Yeah, we went there last year. But the L.A. Coliseum, I think this is about the last chance. To, this may be the last NFL game that the Ravens ever play there, unless – I don't know. <laughs> I don't know yeah, what it would mean, take for them to play to the football
2: game there. Right. You, the way the football teams move in and out of L.A., it might be the last time they go to L.A. Who knows? Yeah, it could be. Yeah. But uh, let's, uh, let's bring Ivan on, who's already corrected me, so he's re- feeling right into the show. <laughs> Ivan, how you doing?
4: I'm doing fine. Nice to be here with you guys again. Yeah, glad. Nice to have you too, Ivan. Yeah, glad to have you back. Uh, what have you been up to? Uh, just working the YouTube channel, do, putting out two films a, a week for my YouTube viewers. I also put a, a film out like on Thursday or Friday for my Patreon subscribers. And uh, mm-hmm. like I was talking to Ken before, you know, we started. We're still hanging on this playoff run down here in Florida. Maybe it the third round. So we just chugging along, chugging along, trying to keep going, maybe get a state title. Okay, so,
3: so give us, give us the, the,
4: the scoop on this. So you said you're you're playing for a regional title in the next game, right? Yes, Friday okay. we're playing for a regional title. We finished we actually finished third in the district, but because we played so many tough teams, uh, we got in at, at, at large and we beat the number two seed uh, and the number three seed so far. So we're playing the number one seed this Friday. And it's a team you've already played before. Yes, and- we uh, played them before and we had a terrible start. Following the first play of the game, Pick six like the third play of the game, and it just went down here from there. They ended up beating us by nine points, even after that terrible start. Wow. Okay, so you got you can play with these guys. Yes.
3: And and you're you're telling me about the size of schools. There's eight different classifications in Florida. I mean, it almost sounds like Florida's really like
4: Texas in terms of how seriously they take football playoffs. You have the eight A schools, um, which are a bunch of around Orlando, and they have like thirty five hundred kids. Wow! And then you know we only have like uh, eleven 1, hundred. But I also, I did visit a school in like one of the largest schools in Texas, and they had fifty five hundred kids in the school. Oh. Well, is what? it da- Dallas area? was in the, the Dallas virus? area. Yes.
2: Remember, my daughter's high school is Tim Tebow Country, and niece High School in Florida. Nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, all right. Very good. well congr- good. Yeah. luck
3: to you, Coach. That's terrific.
2: Now, I you. you mentioned YouTube. You mentioned Patreon. But these are like. Big websites. How do people find
4: you on these sites? Um, on YouTube is Sit the Films, and um Instagram is Sit the Films, and Twitter is Coach Amos9. And the uh Patreon thing, you just any of my videos on YouTube, it's a link on there. You just click it and go from there.
2: All right. I'm gonna get have you repeat all of that at the end of the episode so people who weren't paying attention now don't have to rewind. We'll catch it up at the end again. Uh after you guys dig deep into this Ravens
4: offense. Okay. Appreciate it.
3: Looking forward to it, Ivan. We've, we've been uh, waiting to have you on for a while. Appreciate you coming back and joining us. We get the pleasure to talk about this game, and and uh, boy, it's really hard to find anything negative to say, certainly
4: about the offense. I know, right? It was it was one of those games where you were almost bored bored watching, you know, the <laughs> offense because they just were chugging along, chugging along, chugging along. There was there was no controversy. There was nothing. You know, no rah rah than one run. It was just like a OLO machine.
3: Yeah. It's, it's, uh, I just love to see it. I mean, they didn't get to third down that often in this game nine times. They had a couple drives where it was first down, second down, first down, second down, all the way down the field. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that was that was pretty cool about it. I, I, I just – everything is really gone right uh, as things are going. I mean, they had five touchdown drives of 70-plus yards in this game. But like, get this, those five drives – lasted 10 8 7 6 and 5 plays wow so that's knifing through butter on that it's you know that's at least 350 yards it's probably more like 375 or 80 yards and how many plays would that be 15 26 36 plays so Mm -hmm. 10 yards a play probably on those drives uh you know in aggregate just cutting through that's that's amazing all right, zero punts for the game. The Ravens. Uh, uh, some people know this. Ryan Mink has been has been talking about this some, but the Ravens are now on pace to have the fewest punts in NFL history during a 16 game season. With <laughs> they're on pace for 33.6,
4: and the Oilers had 34 in 1990. So, they so is are- just Kod's or Cook. How do you say that? Cook, Cook. So yeah. he's just basically collecting the check. Yeah, practice. there you go. <laughs> <laughs> That's the best job in the, in the game, right there. Uh, it's the game's
3: best holder, even though uh, Tucker missed one this last week. But uh, but he's a he's critical for that at least. Seventh highest scoring offense
4: in NFL history is what the Ravens are on pace for. That that's crazy, and it, I would be willing to bet that we're the only team on that list that runs as much as we do.
3: I would be willing to bet that too. Although I didn't look, but it's it's a couple Patriot teams, uh, maybe as many as three. And the '98 Vikings. Pass. Denver in recently, like two thousand thirteen or something, was the only six hundred point team. And there's, a, the, you're right. I mean, it's all passing teams is basically the thing. They're all the era of the pass. The Vikings mm-hmm. set the record originally, you know, with Billick, and then uh, and then it's been broken a number of times since. So, uh, yep, this is this is the only team that's doing it. And if if you compared them because of that, because all those te- other teams did it with passes, if you compare their drive statistics, I guarantee you. I don't guarantee it, but I would bet a lot of money that the Ravens have better looking drive stats, better points per drive, uh, you
4: know, higher rate of first down collection right. on each series of downs, that sort of thing. Right. I'd be willing to bet that also, because I remember I remember the the Viking team was to throw a, deep to mm-hmm. a lot of throw a deep to random
3: hmm
4: A lot of throw deep to random Moss and Chris Carter underneath and Jake Reed. Yeah. And
3: 2007, the, the 2007 uh, P pay- are also that list with a lot of throaty per any boss. But they had All <laughs> things so, right. All right. I, I, I have a college broadcast partner who works down in Houston on a radio station now. Kind of is a uh, cautionary tale of what my life could have ended up like if I'd not decided to get out of broadcasting. <laughs> I probably shouldn't say that. <laughs> but anyway, Charlie Palillo uh, had me on for a little little segment up front. He said this game was about as competitive as Germany and Poland in
4: 1939. You're a history <laughs> professor. I know you, you, you Yes. Know. Yeah. Yes, I uh, I actually wrote my little notes down. I I, I see what you're doing. That I, I see the history you know, <laughs> correlations. <laughs> you got some of your own. So so yeah, I do. I for those that don't know, I am a history teacher also, and we we go through World War II. We got it coming up probably after the Christmas break. Okay, all right. Uh, what do you have in terms of other thoughts to add to these high popping numbers? Maybe something see, um, else? <laughs> I want to talk about those not having as many third downs. Mm-hmm. And what I did was I looked at the the first down yardage for the game to kind of see why we didn't have as many third downs. So in the first quarter, on first downs, we averaged 2.8 yards. Second quarter, 4.8. Third quarter, 4.3. And you know, anytime you get four uh, yards on first down, you set yourself up for good second and third downs. In the fourth quarter, we had 12.7. Wow. So as a total, when well, the fourth quarter was aided by Gus's run. That yeah, sure. down. As a total, we averaged six yards on first down. So that, so you're averaging getting second and four. That's why you don't get the third down right there.
3: Yeah, it's a great point. There was a, There's a graphic though, there on Twitter today where the Ravens are over six yards. They're the third highest team in the NFL, which is unbelievable to me. It'd be this low, but they're over six yards of carry. I think it was 6.28, 6.29 on first down, and that might have been with Neals taken out
4: because it's kind of important whether you do that or not. I didn't count the the, the Neal we had either. I didn't count okay. it either.
3: All right, very good. I always like
4: you win first down and stay away from third down. You don't have to worry about losing on third down. Yeah, and and, and you know if you get six yards on first down, that gives you all sorts of opportunities to, have to play four down football too. Yes, your have, you have, your entire playbook is an
3: option. All right, all right. So we keep saying the Ravens' schedule will improve, and they'll face some teams that can stop this offense. But it's yet to happen. And every every team, it's something new. Like, Houston's going to run us out of the building. They never lost by more than a score. They, you know, in the Watson era, uh, they've got a pass rush. Or they, we don't have anybody who can stop D.J. Reader. <laughs> I mean, it was nothing but ample time and space in this game. They had, they had uh, 18 out of 27 ample time and space opportunities for Jackson. So they pretty well stopped D.J. Reader. Right.
4: As far as those teams that, that's coming up on the schedule, I went and looked at it. I don't see anybody on the schedule other that even has the potential to slow us down The further than the 49ers and the Steelers. And I say that because they have good front sevens. The other six games we have left, maybe, I don't see anybody on that. And Then I also looked at the playoff rankings for the time being. So if the playoffs started today, I didn't see anybody in the playoff that could stop us defensively. Right, because Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh wouldn't be in. <laughs> right. And, yeah. the, you know, what we just played the Patriots. Mm-hmm. So I, don't, I didn't see anybody in the bracket that could stop, you know, their defense could stop our offense. That's that's fair enough. So, I,
3: you know, the great thing about Lamar is that he's very adaptable to the changes they made by team and by game plan. And, you know, all that credit goes to Roman. Mm-hmm. But I made the point on air today that that really Lamar needs to get that too because he's adapted in the way he's been asked to adapt, which is something quarterback might not want to do, mm-hmm. let alone or be able to do. But if, you know, in, in against New England, he had a 2.9 air yards per throw, which meant he was keeping the ball away from the New England secondary, keeping them out of the game against, these, against the other teams they played more recently against Cincinnati and against, in this last game against the Texans, they ramped up play action to a degree we haven't seen yet this year. 56% play action in this last game, which really was done to take advantage of the linebackers of both these teams. And it's done so
4: effectively. And I think the, um, them using play action has really helped the O-line because as a whole, we're, they're not a great just straight drop back passing O-line. And the fact that they can kind of get guys to to think it's run and, and set it up with leverage and whatnot, it does a great job of helping us. And absolutely you, because when you do stats, it, it doesn't show the straight dropbacks. It helps them, you know, with pass pro. It helps them with the run game. And, and it also helps Lamar with his reads. Because if you can get those linebackers sucked mm-hmm. up in two, you got a lot of open space, you know, in your intermediate game. And he's gotten a lot better at throwing those intermediate throws, too.
3: Yeah, and that, and, uh, and not only is he good at throwing to that open space, that really makes it an easy read to mm-hmm. just read the field and see the open spaces a lot easier. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's Roman helping him out, helping his progression. What I thought, I, the one thing I thought the Texans did for the Ravens in this game, or not the one thing, but one of several things they did, is they really rushed for a lot of the game. They only rushed five a few times, and never more than that. So they were very fearful of Lamar losing the pocket, and they kind of lost sight of how badly they were giving him time to just make a sandwich back in the pocket and decide who he's going to throw the ball to, because he had a lot of full three second pockets that's what ample time and space is and he used the full three seconds a few times yes
4: yeah, when i was doing my, my breakdown for this week uh, which obviously was on him i heard he had a lot of drop backs where he uh, rolls in the pocket and still was untouched he mm-hmm. would drop back go through his progressions then step up in the pocket to avoid the edge rush and still had mm-hmm. time to throw the ball so uh, that's, uh, that's at least those three seconds you're speaking of yeah, absolutely right. And you know what? That's real
3: impressive, the, the times he was able to step up in the pocket because that's where the Ravens' weakness is in theory in terms of not having a center who can anchor. And, and also the Texans on the nose or at the three-tech wherever he is, Reader has the ability to get that that push. So I thought it was a, it's just a great
4: game by the offensive line. Yeah. And that, like I said, they're doing a, a great job of just playing ball just as, as a whole, acting like one person. They they're doing a great job of sync synchronizing whatever they're doing, and you know Roman has kind of used um, Bozeman's strengths. Bozeman a, a better puller, in my opinion, than mm-hmm. Yonder. And a little younger legs, and he you know he's the, the puller most of the time, other than the tight ends, other yeah. than the tight ends, and he does a great job of basically playing to their strength.
3: Yeah, I I, I agree, and and uh, it's it's definitely it's there's two two parties that are doing strong things and has and pulled more in me in recent weeks but yonda uh is great for opening the gate for pivoting mm-hmm. to get that defensive tackle usually uh sealed to the inside while brown either creates a, that half level up seal on that scraping linebacker or, or kicks out to, to to open the hole they got a lot of different ways they can really open that hole on, uh, for the power game
4: and they, that's they. I love the way they run power the the 14, 15 different ways I've seen it run. My favorite one is when he uh, motions Ricard across and let Ricard kick out the end and, and uh, Stanley blocks down. It's my favorite one because that also sets up Ricard getting the ball in on um, uh, pass. I mean, in passing too. And I love when yeah. he catches the ball. I How love, much fun has that been? I love oh. it when he catches the ball. He is not trying to go out of bounds at all. <laughs> <laughs> it's
3: just I love it. It's just everything about his mannerisms when he catches a football i just love i mean it's it's it, he, he First of all, he's shaking off every defender. He looks like he's running like Fred Flintstone from an old <laughs> cartoon. You know, there's a carrying the whole team on his back, and and even they, they they oftentimes won't even be able to get him to the down, but they'll blow the whistle for, for forward progress, or maybe he'll be pushed out of bounds. And then he's he's not giving that football up. He wants to go out and stick it into the chest of the of the of the official. You know, it's it's, it's comical every bit of his actions.
4: So. What he reminds me of is uh, you remember when Chris Berman used to make the noises the. Boom. Boom, boom. That's that's what it sounds like every time Ricard gets the ball. I hear those <laughs> sounds in my brain. I can hear Berman saying that. Yeah, it's 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 crazy. And the fact that he really loves the game, whether mm-hmm. it's catching the ball. I think he got a sack when uh, Bowser got a touchdown last week, and you could just see him in the background celebrating the sack and and Biles was going. scoring. He, he's a overall team guy. He's doing whatever it takes mm-hmm. for the team to win.
3: Yeah, just it, it's easy, he's he's. Really exciting. I thought, it was an interesting thing last week because Bowser, Bowser scored a touchdown. Ricard got his first sack. Who gets the football would be one question. I think the touchdown takes precedence probably of those two. Hopefully he gets another sack. Right. Ric- Ricard is has now the NFL record, as, as I am told, uh, for the most receptions in a season where he had a sack with seven. Okay? Okay. <laughs> And, uh, you know, there's some guys like Vrabel might've had five in a season and JJ mm-hmm. Watt might've had five or six, but his seven is the, is the record. And he has a chance, I think, because I think Ricard is going to become more of a fullbacks fullback, more mm-hmm. of a, the guy I see him becoming more like, although maybe he won't be exactly the same. Maybe he won't be quite as the patch pass, pass catcher is, uh, um, uh, Muhaley. Okay. All right, so he, was, he wasn't part of the offense at all in 2006. He had two career catches, and then all of a sudden he had that catch at Tennessee for 30 yards. It was the longest ever by a fullback, and they had 20 catches the rest of that season. He was a big, big part of the offense. Wouldn't be shocking to me at all if Ricard went on this year to have 20 catches for the season after
4: that game he just had. I mean, it was, it was not either because of how much of a threat he is, you know, on that age. You got to—a lot of people try to avoid him. That's why he gets so— Right. Just, just be, you know, honest with it. They're trying to avoid that three hundred plus pound guy pounding on him. and they he able to slip in the flats. Yeah. And then once he gets in the flats, you got DBs that don't really want to tackle him. Oh yeah. Yeah, I mean, Marcus Peters
3: has shown a lot of lack of desire to be physical in the secondary. But I love the idea of putting other teams secondary to the test with that kind of a player on the edge. And, I mean, you, it, it's, it's the classic Ravens misdirection that you want to get speed in space, but you love to get size in space as well because it sets up your speed inside. I mean, just
4: I love it. Yes, and you know, the, him along with three tight ends, it's, hey, that's, that's tough. It's tough. A lot of yak yeah. going on there. Lot of yep.
3: Yep. All right. They got lots of rotational ability with that. I just I love every part of that. Coming up with Aaron Donald this next week mm-hmm. and looking at the way they're going to need to deal with that inside presence. I just see them sticking a big body in his rib cage. They're going to have somebody blocking every play. The Rams, of course, are going to try and set up for 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 man on man blocking whenever they can to get to get Donald easy wins against anybody. Mm-hmm. But nah. oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. Yeah, you stick a man in his ribcage. You got it, Ricard, you got Boyle, you got a you got a fullback if you want to use it who might be a tight end, could be a, also Boyle or could be Hurst. You know, you got so many options. You got a second lineman, you got a pulling guard, so many ways they can stick
4: another guy in his ribcage. Now I, I kind of disagree on this one. Because okay. we have a mobile quarterback, you kind of don't have to block him. Let him be the re guy. Huh? They okay, we guy. and I, the reason I say that because um, we have a guy. I, do you know Jeffrey Simmons, that put the rookie for the Titans? No, I don't. He, he he's from Mississippi State. He was their first round pick for the Titans, and he hurt his ACL or something, so he's just not starting to play. But in high school, he we couldn't block him. So what we chose to do was just read him every play wherever he was. He was the read, and we was able we were able to get we didn't win the game, but we were able to get a bunch of yards because you know why take somebody that we know we can't block and just make him wrong every play. Mm-hmm. He's gonna chase the quarterback or chase the running back, and whichever one he go to, the other person gonna keep the ball. Because we had to run, a, you can do that with a, a mobile quarterback. Right? You probably can't do it with the, you know, the traditional guy. but We were able to do it, and so you know, we can try to block Aaron Donald, but if it gets to the point where we can't block him, read him. Right. He can't tackle the running back and the quarterback.
3: Yeah, that's 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 a great point. I mean, I don't want to have Lamar take unnecessary hits from Donald, even when the ball's going somewhere else. But you know the the play by Brennan Scarlett this week for the seven yard they called it a sack but it was really a run play it was a read option play where he was just in there too quickly to to deal with it uh, I am I, I, a little fearful of Donald being in too quickly because of how good he is mm-hmm. to make that and I I'm I'm not sure you have the same option to let a guy in the backfield from the middle of the line as opposed to an edge
4: guy you can just, you can wham that guy in
3: i Like, it
4: like you, you, can wham him, like you said. with recall. Yeah. Like, like with the fullback or whatever, just coming from the opposite side, especially if he runs up the field like that. If, if Donald's the type of guy that just blows up the field, mm-hmm. he can definitely get uh, trapped and whammed easily. Okay. All right. So that's how you do it. You you
3: you let him into the backfield, and that directs that, that 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 makes the choice for Jackson right off in terms of the play has to go opposite the fullback's motion. Oh, sorry, the the
4: Ricard or, or Boyle motion. Right, so let's let's say uh, Aaron Donald is offensive left side in like a three technique or whatnot and yep. Ricard's on the the offensive right side so as the ball snap maybe we got somebody in pistol Ricard would come across and the old line would go block and do whatever they do as Donald comes up the field Ricard would I'm sorry you recall would just wham him and the ball should go right off that block
3: okay and and but the but the balls it, 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 does by blocking it that way does it mean that Jackson has to run right so Jackson or okay, Mm-mm.
4: you can. It, it doesn't even have to be a, one of those players where he keeps an, it. Could be an automatic give. Okay. Can, we could just block it up with, especially with all the tight ends we got. It could be blocked up right. It could have a man on man, and the extra man would be required, uh hitting Donald, and you can yeah. also get a double there too. I mean, there's plenty of ways to do it because because of those three tight ends, and they have to respect Hollywood speed or whoever's outside speed. So. It's, it's a ton of ways to do it, and I'm not saying just let Aaron Donald go every play because like that would be ludicrous. Mm-hmm. Because he, Lamar would take hits, but you just got to mix it up. Because he, if you do it one way all game on him, he's gonna screw it. up. He's gonna mess the backfield up. Mm-hmm. I, I haven't seen a guy that good in a long time, in a long time. So we either gonna we have to if we just running straight at him, it needs to be a double. I'll read him from time to time. And also, you know, whamming with tight ends and and fullbacks. It's got to be mixed up.
3: Yeah, I, I'm I'm eager to see how that kind of a physical workload. And I know that that you know because they're always trying to get these one on one matchups. And Donald is so good at using his hands. Mm-hmm. He doesn't take the kind of physical beating. He doesn't get punched as much. I don't think as other interior defensive linemen. And I, if if they can get a guy to his rib cage, I bet you could really limit either
4: his snaps or his effectiveness on those snaps. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I, I would love to see the matchup if he's on the offensive right with Yonder. Mm-hmm. I would love to see that. Even though I know he normally plays the opposite side. I would love to see him and Yonder go at it for a bunch of snaps.
3: Right. It's I. I would. I would have
4: to think they're going to try and exploit that left a gap mm-hmm.
3: where Bozeman and Skurr are with Donald. It just makes too much sense to not right. do it that way. Right. Uh, I, I'm just looking at his snap count for the year, and in 10 games, he's played 612 snaps. So he's averaging over 61 snaps per game, mm-hmm. which is absurd for a defensive tackle. That's ridiculously high. But uh, that's it's almost 100% of snaps, but it's, it's probably more like 88 or 92 or something. But it's, it's, very, it's a very high percentage of L.A. snaps.
4: Crazy thing about Aaron Donald and, and all these snaps he's playing, he's in great shape. I've never seen a guy that big with abs. he listed only 280 pounds. Playing on the
3: inside like that.
4: Only 280, but still got a six-pack? That's,
3: yeah. that's amazing. Yeah. That's
4: amazing. Right. I at wouldn't six, want to deal with
3: him. Yeah. At 6'1", too. That's, uh, okay.
4: Wow. Just, look at, just think about his body type and how well he plays the run and pass based off the two guys we got playing that same position. Right. Yeah, we, we, and I, we and I like all three of them. I'll take our two, but just the body type, he can he can sustain sixty plays. I don't think our two guys could could play. Oh no, yeah, they're carrying an extra fifty five pounds each, so
3: right. I, I don't think so. Yeah. All right, well let's uh uh let's go through this a little more. Let's talk about a little more about Lamar first. Oh, we can go ahead, go ahead. All right, so he yeah, had ample time space on seventeen of twenty five dropbacks in this game, by far the best amount of pocket time he's had this year uh you know that's 68 percent for him uh it was it was 67 percent overall they had one or two for uh for um uh rg3 as well uh he, he should have had about 171 yards given that opportunity set he actually had 215 he's had a pretty easy time week over week beating expectation because it's a flacco standard frankly that uh, you know he's he was a lower yards per yards per throw quarterback and we're not going to bash Flacco but but anyway he he beat that standard by 1.8 yards per throw in only 25 dropbacks so, so plus 44 is very nice for that and it's just strange because he's he's beaten it by eight per throw in one game and 10 per throw this it, it, one game which are just astounding totals so. It's, uh, um-
4: the, his rating for this game was 139.2, I think. Mm-hmm. So is that what's the perfect number? Is that close to the perfect number? One fifty eight point three, which is fifth place. Okay, year. okay, yep. that's one fifty eight. Okay, so that but that's still that's what nineteen bad. points from being perfect again, which yeah. is great for him. When he was, it was thought to be right around 85, 90 for uh, for the year. Yep.
3: Oh yeah. I mean, people had projected him for an eighty five or ninety rating. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
4: Yeah, and you know, I think he'd still be he he probably could still get to the playoffs get the ravens to the playoffs with a 90 rating i, I think, think so could. too i think so too as a six six seed or maybe like getting in on the last week like we did last year yeah yeah but his, I, his progression is, is amazing i expected him to get better but not this fast yeah not this he, good this fast
3: he is really just completely feeling it too the the he has a projected uh, next-gen stats has a projected completion percentages for the pass he throws, and I, I don't know exactly how they, how they generate that, but last week his projected was 57 and change, and his actual was 88, so it's hmm. more than plus 30 percentage points, which was by far, by far the highest in the NFL this year. The second highest was Jackson in week one against the Dolphins, at plus 26. Nobody else in the league
4: the entire year had been over plus 22. Yeah. Wow. Wow. <laughs> he just worked. He, yeah. he got better. And obviously not a, I, there's no other words to really explain it. He, he put his head in the sand and just got better. He, he was tired of the talk and the doubt. And he went to work. I, I'm, I'm amazed and proud of the young fellow.
3: Now how, how,
4: what's his obligation?
3: Obligation is the wrong word. Who who should he go after on the Ravens in terms of trying to impress on him the value of investing in themselves during the offseason? I've seen it with Jensen. I really liked it in terms of what he did. Uh, Jackson, obviously a great one. I thought it would work out for Jordan Lasley. We didn't really have a sense of what he was doing. Maybe he was just kind of grafting himself to Lamar during the Mm offseason. He certainly was trying to be there. But who's who's the player this year that should do the Lamar or Ryan Jensen thing to try and get better?
4: Um, right now I'm going to say Boykin. That he, has, he, he has the, the physical tools to be a great receiver. Uh, I don't really know what the disconnect is right now. Um, I, and I don't want to speculate, but I think he would be the guy that would benefit from basically following Lamar wherever he went this summer or whenever the season's over mm-hmm. to, to get some kind of chemistry and, and whatnot, because he, he trusts Hollywood and they don't even practice together. Yeah. So, yeah, you know, I, I would want to be the, the guy opposite of that, you know, because, Frank Frank, we need both outside threat guys to keep that middle open.
3: Yeah. I, I, I agree. That's a great choice. I'm going to pick one on the defensive side of the ball. I'm going right. to say the guy who needs to, to, to figure out one thing different about what he's doing is Jalen Ferguson. Yes. And, and the guy I want him playing with this offseason, I don't know if he would be willing to do it, but he's he'd be he might be the perfect teacher for it, is – Cornell McPhee to learn how to play to to rush the passer with his hands mm-hmm. just play that like a video game where it's punch 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 on both sides and you're making progress towards the quarterback with each punch yeah. Ferguson is a big guy he's a leverage guy McPhee is not even as big but I, i've got
4: I've got to think there's something he could impart to him yeah I, I always say in when I talk about the defense that whenever Ferguson gets something other than the bull rush, it's, it's going be he's going to be special. But he has to develop something other than the bull rush. Right now, his bull rush and setting the edge with it is great. It's good, for, you know, for a rookie. But when he has a counter or two, or maybe mm-hmm. even a third, he'll be borderline, you know, unblockable off the edge because his bull rush is so good that everybody has to sit and expect it. And once he gets, uh, uh, you know, something off of that, he's gonna, uh, you know, his sack numbers gonna go up.
3: Yeah, and, right. and
4: his snaps will go up too.
3: Yeah, they're all going to be anchoring in, and and, uh, and then all of a sudden he's got some kind of rip move or something that'll get mm-hmm. by the, get by or swim. Yeah, love it. A um, little more Lamar. Uh, DJ Reader, we talked about never becoming an issue. Uh, 14 of 25 dropbacks were play action in this game. The one thing I want to say about that, uh, beyond what we said already, both of the Texans' tight ends, re- I'm sorry, inside linebackers, both Cunningham and uh, McKinney, Mm-hmm. Neither one of them is good about reacting to play action. So this was a good opportunity. Same thing with the Bengals with Vigil last week. I'm forgetting even who their second inside linebacker was. Evans maybe for some of it. Um, but anyway, they they a lot of play action baiting there. But Lamar on the other side is becoming more comfortable with play action. And yeah. one of the things I've been noticing is that the the turn your back play action plays they were calling they're all during the scripted sequences six weeks ago roughly. Now, those turn your back backs are all spread throughout, which means he's calling them from the sideline and they're not doing the dance steps for them on Friday right. to show him how to do this. He's trusting his own ability to turn his turn his uh, back to the defense and then reacquire that field, which I don't really think he
4: had prior to these last few weeks. He's, he's done an amazing job with that. And um, the more he shows greg that he can handle i think the more greg is put on his plate and that may be one of those things that initially would probably just you know in the opening script or the opening script of the second half mm-hmm. that he's just you know can look at the sheet and say hey you know call whatever the call for it is now and, and go with it it's, it's a trust the mm-hmm. more showing him he can handle more and g rose getting him more yeah yeah hey, hey, hey,
3: scott uh, scott carcero asked today how much more is there left of Greg Roman's playbook?
4: I don't even know how to answer the question. (laughs) I can, I just think, I I think about that in terms of what I do. And I had a, I had a base for my little high school team and we've built on that base um, every week. And like this week, today we were doing stuff at practice that we hadn't done all year. So when we run it in the game, whether it be successful or not, the other team won't be, won't, will not have seen it at all. Mm Mm-hmm. Now,
3: when you're talking about that, you you're, you've you've mentioned this before on the show that you have offensive linemen that read the same keys and use the same single concept. Not you might have six of those concepts, you might have eight of those concepts, but you have some number of concepts you you work off of,
4: and then you can do all kinds of other skill position things yes. to work around that and exploit it. Uh, a bunch of window dressing. Yeah. The O-line, you know, try to keep it the same or close to the same for the o line, because you know those guys, you know, they want you want them to have continuity. But the skill guys, they got to window dress it up and, and whatnot. It's like using Ricardo as a kickout guy, um, you know, coming in motion. Or you um, you got Hurst in the backfield using him to kick out on power. There's a bunch of different ways you can run power, but those same five, those five main guys, pretty, pretty much doing the same thing. Mm-hmm. But you got uh tight end maybe blocking down or tight end kicking out, fullback kicking out, or fullback and the tight end, you know you blocking down and kicking out. It's a bunch of different ways you can do it. But those front five, that your left guard, your both guards, your both tackles in the center, pretty much doing the same thing. And that, right. that's, you know, that keeps continuity right there.
3: Is it easy enough then also to turn the tackle inside or outside in, in a scheme like that, or, or do you call that a different
4: scheme? Turning the tackle out? So that's, what's it? that's probably a different play. That's okay. probably a different play. But I don't think it's hard. Because those guys, all they have to do is football. So mm-hmm. it shouldn't be a problem. Their job is football. It's different when you're in college, <laughs> or when you're in high school, and you got to go to class. But their job is football. So Roman probably could have a hundred plays, and they better know them all because they don't have anything else to do other than football. All right.
3: All right. Very good. That's only fair. Uh,
4: what do you think about
3: okay, about the arm angle variation we saw in Lamar this week? Was any of it
4: gratuitous from from what you saw? I think he tried to do some of that last year before he was um, physically ready. The game hadn't slowed down to him yet. He was trying some of that stuff last year and he had a bunch of incomplete balls and, and skipping balls to wide open people, which is one thing I just talked about. Um, but now he has confidence in it. The game has slowed down. He has confidence in his arm. He has confidence in his receivers that, you know, he don't have to have the traditional over the top throw every time. If a guy's going across his face, he can flip it, you know, side on three quarters and, and, and get it there. He's, He's, I think he's worked on all those throws. Mm-hmm. I don't think he just dropped back and practice the, the the normal, traditional, over-the-top throw. He works on all those different angles because that's how he has confidence to throw them in the game now because he's throwing them very accurately, in my opinion. Yeah, I, I, I would say, too, that he hasn't thrown very many balls
3: that have been even close to an interception the last few weeks, and, you know, knock on wood. But the one I remember seeing was one where he came in about three um, – uh, three eighths underarm, we'll call it. Not not all the way, you know, not down at uh, you know four thirty or something, but it was more like uh, three thirty. He threw the ball from, mm-hmm. and so it was, a, it was a little bit underarm. Ball sailed in high to Andrews. Andrews put, brought it back down with one hand, caught the ball. But as one of those ones, there was enough traffic around there that that one I'm I'm not pleased with. It wasn't any any defender right there to block that
4: ball. By the way. And that's the only thing he has to be careful about, um, basically getting it batted down, or even so, you know, getting it picked by a lineman or whatnot. Because mm-hmm. you, you, coming over the top, traditionally, you can get it in different windows and whatnot. I don't know if, you know, different people use brooms is for drills, for that drill or whatnot. But um, coming to those different angles, you have to be certain that your line of sight or your thinking of what's going to happen, happens. Because those, those balls are going to be easily picked off and, and knocked down because of where they're Come at. On, yeah. You. Yeah, so picked off the worst, knocked up the second worst, because you get a lot You're of
3: receptions right. on those, yeah. Exactly. All right. Uh, what do we else do we have to say about this, about Lamar? Anything else? I, I, I don't have any words, really, to talk about the rushes. I'm not sure there's anything I could. I mean, he just seems to have a level two move ready to go,
4: just about whenever he needs one. <laughs> I wrote, uh, the, the note I got for that is, just think about snapping the ball to the Bears' every time. <laughs> <laughs> who can also throw <laughs> right exactly who can also throw that when i look at those runs I, that's what i see i see some barrett sanders type stuff the way he stops and starts and then just run away from people it, it's it's crazy the look just think about that that nice run he had this game and i actually put it in a video that's premiering right now as we speak <laughs> mm-hmm. um so he has seven people missed him that 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 play seven missed tackles that's remarkable. He ran away from somebody. He stepped out of a tackle. He uh, juked the guy. He lowered his shoulder on one guy, and then he was finally tackled. Yeah. Seven tex, seven different Texans touched him that play. That is
3: remarkable. I, I was, I was last week. I mean, that's the best thing that could happen to Nick Vigil because last week that play where he broke Vigil's ankles, and you know he was Houdini and and whatnot. Vigil's grandkids will see that before he even has a chance to show it to them. So, yeah, so he's going to be watching that play the rest of his life. <laughs> <Yeah>. Poor guy. <laughs> oh, I, I I felt sorry. Internet for my yeah. <laughs> All right. Let's talk about the offensive line. If we're good on that for, for just some individual scoring here for a minute and get your thoughts on each of these guys. Ronnie Stanley allowed two pressures in the game. honestly, let's talk about a higher level. First of all, They had 61 scored snaps in this game. Offensive line didn't have any penalties, no false starts or any of that crap. Uh, they, they didn't give up any sacks. The only sack was a allowed into the backfield Reed guy, but that was Brendan Scarlett who took uh, Jackson down for a loss of seven. Hope that doesn't become a, uh, become a standard that, that uh, players realize that that's the, that's the way to deal with that. You know, they had all the ATS we talked about 18 to 27, uh, the scores are obviously very high. I called it an ABBA game because everybody got an A or a B. So. <laughs> that,
4: that's, that's amazing. We, uh, yeah. For that to happen, what? and I think you said this is the second time maybe, second or third time this has happened, in this little streak of, of wins, That that's crazy. To take five guys and basically rate them as honor roll. Yeah. <laughs> as, to have an honor roll O-line is, is something that I'd be willing to take for up until February the yeah. 5th or 7th <laughs> or whenever it is. I, I take that. And and if we do that, along with the defense, those are the guys that are gonna lead the way.
3: Yeah. Yeah. They if if they if they if they play that well, then anything else you get from the tight ends will 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 put the Ravens completely over the top in terms of, of what's going on. So, Stanley, two pressures allowed. I thought he was otherwise solid. He missed a couple blocks. That was it. Retired early, A for the game. He was kind of actually in the low low set of the A games. He did get beaten by Merciless a couple times, once on a spin move, once on a bull rush. But Whitney Merciless is someone who hasn't really shown much of anything since uh, since Watt and Clowney were playing together early in the season.
4: Mm-hmm. He, he lost the guys that were taking the blocks up, so now he's the focus point. Him and McKinney is the focus point now.
3: Yeah, there you go.
4: Uh, Bozeman
3: uh, what's really good about it, you mentioned the polling early 8 of 10 polls in this game and he was really the only Raven who pulled successfully in this one the Ravens otherwise didn't have great success he did give up a a quarterback hit to Omenahu it was a little bit uh, questionable because it was a fairly late QH but I went back and forth and eventually I just gave it to him Uh, he still got a B for the game Uh, his second best game of this season he had 1A at Seattle but this was his second best
4: he Bozeman is he's our poor guy. He, he's our traditional pulling guard, so to speak. And I love it because he does a good job of it. And um he's not just there taking on guys straight up, which is a weakness of his. He's not he's not the greatest down blocker. He but he, you know, uh they found something he's good at and they're letting him do it for the most part. And he does and you know he does other traditional O-line stuff, but he's in my opinion, a good puller. Mm-hmm. And he does a good job of, of fitting in holes. And even when the blocking kind of breaks down and it's not as the way you draw it up, he does a good job of adjusting. Mm-hmm. He does a good job of adjusting and then, you know, just getting ahead on somebody. Yeah, looking for, on. Looking, for work, right? looking for Exactly, looking for work, yeah. exactly.
3: Yeah, I, I've, I've loved that about him, too. I, I, he's, he definitely came, as, came with the rep as a guy who was too slow for zone blocking. Where that has shown up is in some pass protection situations where he's not quite quick enough when he's handing off a stunt. That may be a technique issue that he needs to do less, to hand off that stunt and then you know get back or it may just be a physical limitations issue that they need to find him other help to cover for that stunt whether it means scura needs to be watching that way more than the more than to the
4: right or whatever it might be he he has to keep his um shoulders square he has to to see those stunts coming mm-hmm. he can't he can't like fall in love too much with a block and then let somebody you know let them loop around him he has to keep his shoulders square and trust the guys around him there you go
3: now I've, I have noticed a couple of times in the last four or five weeks that he and Stanley seem to be gesticulating each other on the field. One time it was really significant; they were pointing each in a different direction while talking to each other after a play. Have you noticed any friction between those two or any any um, uh, non complementary play style? I won't even call it necessarily friction. They probably they're probably you know they're line mates. I hope they like each other, but but that they're they're not uh, they're not exactly synced up in how they're thinking their responsibilities ought to be.
4: Um, I haven't noticed it, but in the game of football, there are a lot of disagreements that that happen, and it's simply uh, communication. And so they may they may be disagreeing on certain plays and whatnot. But I haven't noticed anything that should we should worry about because those guys have to have the ultimate camaraderie. Mm-hmm. they have to i mean even if they dislike each other they can't show up I, you can't even show up outside of it because i know you know there's this saying you can't uh you don't have to uh like somebody to work with them mm-hmm. As an old lineman you do <laughs> there you go you got, you got to trust that guy the two wide receivers may not have to like each other the quarterback and the receiver but old linemen need to like each other and get along because they're the lifeline of the, of the team
3: all right very good
4: all right, let's talk about
3: Matt Scura. Uh He had his best game of the season. Um, I, I took away his subjective adjustment in this game. He did give up one pressure in the game, but I, he on the fake field goal he missed his block, and so I took away his uh, his uh, his adjustment for that. So he ended up with a, his highest raw score of the year and and still his highest grade of the year. He got a B, but uh, if he had made that block on the on the fake field goal, he would have gotten an A. A
4: minus, actually. Right. Then look at that. One play. Yeah. One play, and you go from honor. Well, not honor. You still on honor roll. <laughs>
3: yeah. It's a, it's a B to an A minus. It's 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 a. I'm sure it's significant, but uh, but anyway, his
4: best game of the year still as it was. And I, I uh, last year I did a video saying secure, secure is not the problem, and I mm-hmm. did. He's proven it this year. Even when we were having those bad. Games we had earlier in the year before Lamar, got in there. I didn't think he was a problem then. You know, he might have had some problem plays, but I didn't think he was a problem. And yeah. he, he's he's shown this year that he's a solid, a solid guy. Yeah, I agree. He's very been very consistent. And you know, he was a C minus
3: player last year, which honestly isn't bad as I look at it, uh, particularly for a second year cheap guy like that. Now he's a third year cheap guy, and I think he's probably a C plus guy, and might even you know on the range of C plus B minus. Anyway, now the real question, as far as I'm concerned, is can the team and Scurro work out a deal after this season, you know, a year before he would normally get signed, avoid all the drama of the fourth year that can happen. Like what's happening to Owasso right now, where he's just play falls off for whatever reason, or he's, he gets hurt or any number of things. Um, and, and, you know, make a deal that's, that's comfortable with both sides, give Scurro all the financial security you could ever need. Cause right now, you know, Matt Scurro in three years, I'm not going to say this is a, a tiny amount of money because it's more than a, so some of us earn in a lifetime, but, you know, he's made a million and a half dollars or maybe slightly less at this game. His mm-hmm. next contract, the minimum he's going to make if he signs for four years is about 25 million. Mm-hmm. And it's probably more than that. So so if you were, if you're Matt Scurro, would you sign right now, knowing you'd have to play next year for three, would you sign, say, a four year deal for 29, 30 million? Or would you want to make sure the Ravens paid up fully, where they might have to pay 36 million, say, uh,
4: and, and and play out one more year? Uh, two factors go into to this decision for me, me personally. So, you know, to answer your question, yes, I'm signing because that's almost, you know, guaranteeing me at least a year or two of, you know, a bunch of money that I can kind of set myself up for the rest of my life if I take care of my money. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, no- the Another reason I would sign is because you get to play with Lamar.
3: Yeah, how cool as is a,
4: that? As an as a old lineman why wouldn't you want to play on a team that runs the ball this much? Yeah. That's, Any uh, O-lineman would, would love that.
3: That'll be interesting because I think he's – He's a very significant portion of what's going on here. Uh, they've obviously they're they're going to have to make some replacements as it is in the interior line. Whether that means Powers is going to have to move up or Bozeman's going to have to take a step up and play the way Skura has, mm-hmm. or whether they're going to have to draft another guard to replace Yanda, or
4: multiples of those things. Yeah, I'm really you know I predicted that Powers would be the starting guard by now, so I'm really anxious to see. Is he is or uh, Hurston Macquarie that much better than him, or is is this going on where he he's not active? Because I really thought he would be the guy to take uh, Bozeman's spot, but I guess there's no need to since Bozeman's playing well. But I just I just really thought by this time of the year Powers would be the guy you know in there playing right now.
3: Right. I I mean I agree. I think Bozeman is playing well enough not to lose his job, mm-hmm. but I don't think Bozeman is playing well enough that um, you know a change couldn't be made next year or that if somebody else wasn't playing well that they'd lose their job and Bozeman would slide over or whatever it might be. But, I mean, it, it, the, the problem for me is why isn't Powers active? Is right. Makari really outplaying him in practice, or is his is his perceived versatility that much? Because I think Bozeman would be the natural guy to move in
4: at center if something happened to Skura anyway. I have the same question. I, I, I really, I'm really interested in, to see why he's not even being active. Uh, you know, is it not on the playbook or are those the guys that in front of him that much better than him or are they just straight up redshirting? him?
3: Yeah. Yeah. So it could, it could be a strength thing, I guess, if they're redshirting him in that way. Mm -hmm. Uh, You see what Creed Humphrey's doing for Oklahoma. What's that? The center. He is center.
4: Yeah. Last year they said he was the best old lineman anyway. Yeah. Well, as as I was, I was a true freshman. So I guess he's, Mm -hmm. he's he's a sophomore now and he's boy, what a player. Right. Uh, Last year, they said, you know, they had four guys to go in this draft, and they said Creed was the best of the five.
3: Yeah. Yeah, that's really something. Uh, Okay. So, let's see. We talked a little bit about scurry. He got a B in this game. Yonda, uh, he had a penetration on a pull that he allowed. So, uh, I forget who was taken down for the loss on that play, probably Ingram. But uh, that was his only negative in this game. Uh, He left early also an A in this one, as if that's a – Another yawn for Yanda, just a day at the day at the office, <laughs> right? Your well, faithful. Yeah, the guy who's playing great right now, Orlando Brown, uh, is just on a fantastic run uh, these last few weeks, and uh, his play—he I, I, is a dark horse right now for a Pro Bowl candidate. Now, hopefully, the Ravens won't have any play Pro Bowlers this year for obvious reasons. Right, but but uh, uh, Brown is. There are a lot of there are there are not that many total good right tackles in the league. The right tackles that are good tend to be the best tackles in football. Like the top three tackles by by Pro Football Focus are all right tackles, but but uh, which is very strange, by the way, that doesn't normally happen. So you have you have Stanley is is currently the highest rated Pro Football Focus left tackle, and of course I you know I, I'm grading him in a way that would be consistent with. What's going on with pro football? Focus there, but Brown
4: is just having a great year. I mean, he is having a terrific year. Yes, he he's he's stepped up his uh, pass pro, which um you know run blocking he was good to me anyway last year, especially mm-hmm. with that big body just constantly leaning on people they eventually get tired of it. But his pass pro with the uh, you know with us doing so much uh, play action is helping him out, and he's getting on guys and staying there. Does he's improved his his lateral quickness, and guys just can't beat him with speed like they were last year.
3: Yeah, you mentioned the play action, and and maybe this is true of gen- just generally in Lamar and the need to for outside defenders to not be greenlit
4: on every snap to rush the passer. Right, and then, that that helps also. Yeah, because you got you got to sit there and you got to wait, you got to read the end and see if that's going. And we don't get in a lot of third and long situations, so they don't just have the opportunity to tee off and and, and pass and rush the passer. Yeah,
3: a- absolutely, and I and I would have to think. Maybe you could you could tell me about this from a coaching perspective a little bit but if a guy basically is in a position it's like you always want to be moving on the edge rusher if you're fanning the guy out great but that might be creating an opportunity for space if if you're creating space for somebody else that might be good but if you have to sit in a particular position and maintain effectively a two-gap responsibility on that edge it's the worst thing against a player like brown whose biggest risk is getting beat to one side Mm-hmm. you know with speed and, and you basically you, you you give that to him mm-hmm. you know, the ability not to be beat in the one way and It's like, yeah come come at my body
4: so if if, if if instance you're in this outside guy and we run some kind of counter toward and like you said earlier we use brown to kick out so now you since you're rushing outside because you got to maintain it if lamar keeps the ball or whatnot you make the block easier for for Brown to kick out or if he's blocking down somebody else to kick you out because you can't just haul in there and go spill it. Yeah. Because if you spill it, that means the puller and Lamar is probably going to go outside. And so now Lamar has a lead blocker on top of whatever the receivers are doing down the field.
3: So – you mentioned Skura should love to play with Lamar just because the Ravens run the ball a lot. And and obviously having a good offensive line in front of Lamar is a place where you're going to be valued. Mm-hmm. But it seems like to me even Brown, because of his style of play and his ability to, to get physical with players, but you know the risk, although I don't know that we've seen it that much in terms of him not being able to handle a guy with speed, but maybe even Brown could benefit more from playing with Lamar
4: than Skura could. Uh, the, All five of them could. All five of them could. Brown's going to get a nice payday after um, Stanley. Mm-hmm. To, and I, I think so to be a Raven for a long time. And so the fact that we run the ball as much as we do will only give him time to get better as a pass, protect, pass protector. So as Lamar running slows down as he gets older, he'll have two bookend tackles that will be great pass protectors at the time. And he mm-hmm. can be more of a, a throwing quarterback and, and run sparingly. Right. So, yeah, run five times a game for four first downs, hopefully. Right. <laughs> but, he, but, he, but he'll, he'll turn into Russell. He'll turn into Russell, the running wise, Russell Wilson. Because Russell doesn't run that much, but when he does, it's normally for first downs. Mm-hmm.
3: That's great. Okay. Hurst and McCarr each had some short stints in this game, made eight out of nine and seven out of eight blocks, res- respectively. I had a highlight for each of those guys, but uh, go out and read the article, please, if you want to see timestamps on them and, and follow along uh how about we talk about some other skill position players at this point okay all right you want to bring up
4: anybody um not the ones i i I was going to talk about you have in the list so far so let's just start with andrews okay sure you you start you've got obviously Um, i'm just he's the best receiver on the team uh potentially the second best tight end in the league in my opinion and the fact that he um, is a blocker as well as a, a pass catcher is amazing to me because normally you're getting guys that are one of the other, which, you know, Boyer started out that way also. He was just a blocker. Now he's turned to a pass catcher. But Andrews is elite. I don't know when his contract's up and we have to pay him, but we got a, a lot of young talent. And I think he, next to Lamar, is the cream of the crop with that young talent we have.
3: That's going to be a that's going to be a tough year because Lamar Andrews and Zeus all come out of the same draft. Now Lamar, we have for one extra year on a fifth year option, but but mm-hmm. Zeus and Andrews both have to be paid the year before Lamar, which may create some cap constraints. They may have to to, to figure out, hey, maybe we can't keep them both. But right. I guess you cross that bridge when you come to it. You know, if, if God forbid, if anything were to happen to Lamar and not and he
4: didn't make it to his second contract, oh. Right. I don't want to think about it. We just we got to make the most out of it while he's on his rookie deal. There you go. Because if, if he gets to the second contract fairly healthy, Lamar may break the bank. Yeah. He may break. And I don't think it's going to be a long contract. It may be another, like, three-year deal, three- or four-year deal. I don't think it's going to be a long contract, but it's going to be lucrative. Right. That's it's going to be enough to where if, if he only gets two NFL contracts, he'll be good for the rest of his life. yeah i think so uh we talked a little bit about patrick
3: ricard already anything else about his game you want to you want to hit on
4: now just his hard nose the way he's the old school football player he's a a tough guy he's excitable he he does the little things he does all the dirty work and don't complain about it he loves doing the dirty work all right now ricard has one more year on his not a rookie deal it's a it's
3: a it's an rfa year next year where he'll get paid $3 million and change. It'll be a bargain. The Ravens will basically, I don't think any other team in the NFL will trade a second-round draft pick to get him. I don't think. Because mm-hmm. there's not another team that can use him as effectively as what the Ravens do with him. And plus, a second-round pick to sign anybody is
4: just a very high price to pay. Right. So I, he'll, I think he'll be a Raven. Mm-hmm. I think he loves it here, and they, you know his contract won't break the bank. I think I think he'll be a Raven through this next contract.
3: Okay, so you're projecting another one. Because I think he ends up getting, you know, I'm I'm afraid to say he might end up getting Nick Boyle money, but it's probably a little bit less. Maybe he gets four and a half million a year instead of six million a year on a, uh-huh. on a uh, same kind of present value basis. I mean, Boyle got his this year, if Ricard gets his next year, maybe four and a half is really worth five and a half. So <laughs> he gets five and a half million, sixteen point five over three years, say.
4: Contract. Yeah, I think I think like I said, with us having so many good young players we have the money to kind of keep uh, uh, surrounding cast. But mm-hmm. like you said, in two or three years, when those guys, it's time to get paid, it's going to be interesting. Yeah.
2: Because
4: they're right around the same age. Well, not yeah. age, but in, the front, in terms of football terms, they, they come out the same year. So those contract ends around the same time.
3: There you go. There you go. Okay. Uh, how about Roberts getting back in with the touchdown pass in this game?
4: He and I thought Roberts was was getting pouty, pouty-ish. Mm-hmm. But you know, he got in and he got his touchdown and it was almost like a about time. Mm-hmm. And not not in a negative way. You know, he and the throw wasn't the greatest. He went up the ladder and guided and you know, he he you know, celebrated with Lamar and they they had a good time with it. Uh, come to find out they've been pretty good friends anyway. But I we just don't target the receivers that much. So they gotta be patient. That'll that'll be the one area where I don't think we can attract a top-tier guy as well as like a free agent. Okay, so all the more important for a player like Boykin to go
3: out and do it yes. in this offseason and, and step up. They can also draft somebody, I suppose. This They have so many needs on defense, particularly a pass rusher, that they're going to have to interior line. I mean, just so many places where they really need to spend draft capital on defense. Yes. I think we're going to see a, a defensive heavy draft.
4: I think so, also, especially with uh, like you said, all these young skill guys we got, and a young O line, with the exception of of Yonder. I think it, defense is going to be the main priority, and but still, I know this is an offensive podcast, but them guys are playing lights out right now.
3: Yeah, yeah. How how much fun is it to to watch this team play in two ways like this? Right,
4: with, with guys that were on the street.
3: Yeah. <laughs> it's just, that is that is so crazy. The whole binds and Ford and Owasso thing. We won't get into it because it's it's really for the for the defensive pod. But mm-hmm. uh, but uh, that to me is the is the weirdest thing. And and uh, I guess they've got now six guys who are effectively street guys who they brought in who all have played a significant role. In, particularly if you include Bennett Jackson, mm-hmm. who came in and played a fair amount of defensive snaps now. But and also, John Ward. John Ward is included, and, and then Bynes and Fort and Pecco and, and Ellis.
4: Yep. So, you, you get to six pretty quickly from right. <laughs> there, and they're pushing out some guys. I I did have one guy I want to mention. I wanted to uh, talk about Snead, and I love the way he makes the most out of his opportunities. The few opportunities he gets when he catches the ball, most of the time he gets yak, or he gets the first down. And, you know, he's excited, excited when he gets his one or two catches a game on probably two targets. Mm-hmm i like sneed when he was with the saints too and for the fact of him to come play and be like a, a slot guy for us he fits right in he's a small tight end for us
3: yeah 70 percent catch rate this year 21 out of 30 for sneed hasn't been for a lot of yards 263 yards i'm sure is not what sneed expected through you know 10 games of the season to be going to 26 yards a clip mm-hmm. uh you know not what he wanted but still he's been a valuable player and he has been getting first downs and
4: uh you know they extended him already they they right. uh they let him know they love him. Hey, you know he's under twenty five also. Is he? Is yeah. Snead still under twenty five? The remember the list you put out early in the year with the top players under twenty five, maybe, or okay. maybe twenty six. Snead was on that list. All right, I'm looking, buddy. I, I'm having a hard time believing that. But but Sneed we'll. Because uh... <laughs> I use your list in a podcast with some other guys, and Snead oh. was
3: on that list. Oh no! I know what it was. That that list was who's still on their first contract. But Snead would already. Sneed was already an RFA when they assigned him. He's twenty-seven years and thirty-three days
4: right now. Ah, uh, I stand corrected then. I thought he was. I thought was under twenty-five. My bad. That's all right. I've been thinking that since then. I was like, man, this dude been in the league a long time. I
3: should just, you know, as an announcer here, I should have just rolled with that. You, you had a story to tell; it was a perfectly valid point. I, I you know, there's no need for me to check up on you. I'm like, oh, that's fine. My, my first official fact check. <laughs> there you go. All right. So, uh, where do you put the, the the Ravens among the AFC contenders right now? Now, you've already talked about you don't think there's a team on the schedule that's going to beat them. But are you as as you are you as sanguine as happy about them as say
4: Rich Eisen seems to be? As optimistic? I think. Right today, right now, we're the best team in the AFC. Today. Come playoff time, potentially New England could be better because they get wind back and uh, I think they there have more continuity with um, Sanu and, and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, and Kansas City still scares me. Okay. So Kansas could- City, I don't think Kansas City could stop us, but I don't know. I'm, I'm just terrified of, of Mahomes and those weapons. Especially with the way Miko Hartman is, has come around, and when you add Tyreek Hill in there, and Kelsey in there, which I think Kelsey is the best tight end right now, and and Shady McCoy, they just they got weapons on top of weapons. I'm not saying they can stop us, but I just I it's, they just scare me. <laughs> I, I they
3: they scare me as well, especially after the last two games and and losing those two there when it appeared you know the first one they had won, the second one they had a chance. Mm-hmm. I, I, I'm it's not like I'm not scared of it. But I will say the Ravens are the new Chiefs in a lot of ways, except they have a good defense. I mean, the Ravens are doing more than what the Chiefs did on a per-drive basis last year. It's not close,
4: in fact. Yeah, I think if we control the clock, it wouldn't be a problem. But their quick strike ability is what scares me. We We could win time possession by 15 minutes and still be in a dogfight. Yeah.
3: Yeah, you're right. I mean, it's it's a point Harbaugh made is that you really need to steal possessions against a mm-hmm. team like the Chiefs because it doesn't matter if you give them the ball at the 13 yard line like they did the last game, then they just score from 87 yards. Right. Yeah. But we a lot of teams. You know, the Texans were not a not in the very top tier of AFC contenders, but mm-hmm. the Ravens had five 70 plus yard drives against a legitimate playoff contender, probably a legitimate, probably a division winner. Not, a, right. not sure thing, but probably. And that's that's the sort of thing the 2007
4: Patriots did. Do you remember looking at this stretch of games, and we our, most Ravens fans were saying, well, maybe we can come out of here three and two, we can be good. <laughs> you know, maybe if we break 500 in this stretch of six, we'll be good for the playoffs. Man, we can sweep this this series, this this stretch of tough games.
3: Yeah, it's, it's, it's really amazing. I mean, they're going to L.A. against the— reigning nfc champs as three-point favorites right. like, you know uh, 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 gamblers give them about a 61 percent chance to win this game imputed from what's what, what's in the money line mm-hmm. i'm i'm shocked at that i never would have guessed that would have been what this looks like but the rams really look like a team in fast descent just right. an awful decision at cornerback with what they made in terms of not retaining peters and you know forgetting they ever heard the name jalen ramsey
4: yeah. You know and I mean, they but, got rid of um the other corner too. Send him to Miami. a, a, a team whatever his name, Khalib. I oh, a-
3: a- a- keep Talib. Okay. Yeah.
4: yeah. He has gone also.
3: It's it's a, it's a lot. I mean they need the cap space and that team, I don't know if it's gonna be this next year, but it probably will be this next year. They're gonna have to completely rebuild. <laughs> uh they they don't have any number one draft picks. They haven't had one, I think, for five years now in a row from Three years previous, this next year and the next year, they don't have one because of the Peters, uh, the uh, sorry the Ramsey trade.
4: Right. They um and probably Peters is going to help the Ravens out tremendously this week. Yeah, um, I would think on so. On different things with with their quarterback and whatnot. Now and 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 I'll give a, a little bit away and you know I hope the Raven fans don't hate me for it, but up until we got Lamar, Gurley was my favorite player. All Even right. though I was a Ravens fan. I've been a Gurley fan since since he was at Georgia, the things he did there. And I, I don't even like the Georgia Bulldogs. I just saw Gurley one Saturday. Then I saw him the next Saturday, and I'm like, man, this I like this dude. And yeah, when he had his little run with the Rams, but right now he's not even a factor. I don't think Gurley would even get another contract. He got his big contract, and I don't think he'll be in the league in two years because of those needs. Wow. All right. So you're not, not, not concerned about the Ravens being able to stop Gurley? Nope. I, I don't see Gurley as being a factor. As long as we continue with a gap integrity like we do. And they're going to run stretch. Mm-hmm. They're going to run stretch. That's what they're known for. That's what they're good at. That's what Gurley's good at. Maintain your gaps. Stretch the stretch to the sideline and keep it to one or two yards. Anybody gets out of that gap, he's going to hit it up in there and be gone. You might not catch him.
3: All right. All right. Is this a team that you can risk the three three five nickel against and only have one standing inside linebacker? Or would you not do that? Against this team specifically because of what Gurley can do if he penetrates the level two and breaks one tackle,
4: I, I would I would not because the, we need those guys there to um, not to cut back but to just stop him when he decides to stick his foot in the ground and, and get vertical. There needs to be a, someone other than a a smaller safety there to 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 get Gurley down because the thing is for me is to get him before he gets going. Because mm-hmm. once he gets going, he's he's pretty darn good if you can let him get to the second level. So he gets get, to the second level, he's pretty good. Get
3: a hand on him at the line of scrimmage or even in the backfield if you're lucky yes. and, and then you're you're okay.
4: That's that's been the,
3: the 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 failing point of a lot of big backs in league history is is once teams figure out how to penetrate against them, get a hand on them in the backfield, that's uh it's
4: trouble. And uh, um our two D linemen do a good job of going vertical down the line and not going up the field. They do mm-hmm. a good job of maintaining their gaps and just going with the floor to play and not going up the field and they'll you know guys will run, run right into them cut right back into them
3: you're talking pierce pierce and williams when they're healthy yes. right mm-hmm.
4: okay. When when healthy, right? yeah
3: all right well that hopefully pierce is back but i'm i'm not uh i'm not going to hold my breath on that one i, I in, in some sense i even really just want them to wait so that pierce is certainly ready for the playoffs right but uh but hopefully he'll be back <laughs> before then uh Okay, MVPs from this game. You want to go back to the offense now and 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 do this with me, or do you do you have a list you want yeah. to do your
4: own? I I'll, uh, I have one guy to mention for MVP, okay. and then right. I'll let you, then you can go with your guys. But my sure. guy doesn't even touch the field. It's Roman. Okay. The the and I, I mentioned this because I like I told you I talked earlier about my situation in the playoffs. The the other team's defensive coordinator came up to me and said, Coach. We had no clue what you were doing on offense. We couldn't figure it out. And, you know, I played it off. But to me, that's the ultimate compliment from an opposing coach, just for them to say they can't figure out what you're doing because everything looks the same. That's what I think Roman's doing. Mm. And that's why I called him the MVP, you know, for this one, because a lot of the plays look the same, and they're not. He's mixing in the play action. He's throwing on first downs. He's He's not being predictable. He, he's just throwing a bunch of things at people, and it's hard to stop. Anytime right. You know, the, the people on the major networks are saying this is something like the league has never seen. That's a good thing for, for the Ravens and, and Greg Roman.
3: All right. All right, well, fair enough. I certainly am concerned about losing him after this season, just like I am about Wink. But let's enjoy this while it's here right now. My number three guy I'll give you is Mark Ingram. Mm-hmm. A uh, couple of receptions. I've really been liking what I've seen in the receiving game. The elusiveness in space has shown up, particularly in uh, giving Cunningham the old. Whoop. <laughs> and uh, I like that left sideline. And uh, sliding in. Yeah, yeah, that too. I, I, I'm never going to get tired of looking at the video <laughs> of Cunningham missing him on the left sideline. Though I could watch that for all day. Right. Twitter is a, a big waste of time, but it's, I feel somehow I feel like the time's well spent when I'm watching that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, the number two guy, I can't even pick one of them because the offensive line played so well as a unit in this game. They they all really deserve a piece of the credit for all the ample time and space they gave Jackson. That's my number two, my number two unit in this game. And, and I didn't even need to pick one of them. Last week it was Orlando Brown, but uh, but this week it's the whole, the whole group. The, eight, the honor roll O-line? There you go. Number one, Lamar Jackson again. Uh, the... The statistics that are being piled up at this point just boggle the mind. The Ravens obviously haven't—Baltimore has not had the hot young quarterback in the NFL since the mid-'70s with Burt Jones. hmm
4: And it's just a hell of a nice feeling. He's been the FedEx ground player what once. He's mm-hmm. been the FedEx air player twice maybe. Mm-hmm. And he potentially could be back-to-back NFL player of the week or AFC player of the week, depending on how that goes tomorrow. Yep. Pretty pretty good chance, I'd say. I, I don't. Dak Prescott
3: for the NFC, I guess, is going to be They don't have an NFL Player of the Week; it's a, it's a conference Player of the Week, right? Yeah, and I think Prescott threw for like 450. Yeah, so he, he's who's the who's the competition in the AFC? Would it be Mahomes? He had a three touchdown game, I know,
4: with no interceptions. I'm trying to think of who else's his is competition in the AFC. But they, they, he didn't look good. He had those numbers, but he didn't look good. I don't. I don't think anybody's the competition. I think he's he got, he has it. All I right. I so don't you want to jinx him.
3: Here's my other proposition for you. Don't, don't know if you're a gambling man, but I'm still you're you're, you're perfectly capable of adjudicating this. Lamar Jackson, if your one dollar, or let's say your one hundred dollars, returns you two hundred and forty dollars, which is approximately the, the what you get returned on a hundred dollars bet right now, or would you like a hundred on
4: Mahomes where you get back nineteen hundred for MVP for MVP to league I'm going to take the the 100 on Jackson right now. I'm, I got to go with my guy.
3: Okay. I, go with I, my guy. I think I take the 100 on Mahomes. I I I, I got to hedge my bet. If Mahomes wins it, I won't be that upset. And if uh uh you know Jackson could still lead him on a playoff run after that, but it would it would soothe me into the offseason to win a lot of money on Mahomes anyway.
4: It's I, the reason I say Lamar because Mahomes put up so many numbers last year that it's hard to get close to that and and, and duplicate winning the MVP again cuz they we always want somebody new. We don't like the same guy winning all the time. That's true. When Michael Jordan was winning all those championships, and I love Michael Jordan, I just got tired of him winning. Uh huh. And that's that. We don't like the same guy to keep winning because you know it should have happened a bunch of times. Brady should almost win it almost every year up until you know for the past ten or whatever years. But we just don't like seeing the same guy win. Fair enough.
3: Fair. Enough. You get about fifty to one on Brady right now, by the way, if you want to bet him. Uh, uh, <laughs> and by the way, a week ago. 150-1 to one was available on Mitch Trubisky, which I called at that point the stupidest money going if you have been on that. <laughs> uh, okay, Josh, we've, we've wasted enough time here, buddy. What, what do you got in the mailbag for us?
2: All right, uh, pretty soft mailbag today. Um, first one up is with all these wide receivers that are blocking instead of catching the ball, at least this past Sunday, is that something that we need to be concerned about? That wide receivers won't want to come play in Baltimore? I know, or just the fact that do you think they're just having fun winning that they don't care that they're getting the ball? We're so used to wide receivers being divas, and this is not a team for that.
3: All right, I'll start, and you oh, you go ahead. It sounds like you got something ready.
4: We um well, we talked about it earlier. It's going to be hard for us to ret- uh, attract free agent, uh, big time receivers because of that. What he what Josh just talked about. So we're going to have to take young guys and. You know, and develop them, and, and hopefully they have the love for, for winning. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, receivers are divas. They they are. they not, you know, they perceive to be their, their divas. And the ones that get the big bucks, and, and they're just not going to want to come play with us because we don't throw it enough.
3: And, and honestly, I'm, I'm not sure that's such a terrible thing in terms of, of who we attract in free agency. The, mm-hmm. the the money that the Ravens have spent on free agent receivers, they've gotten a horrible return for over the years. Wow. I Bolden was the exception, but they've got a bunch of other terrible free agent receivers, Sanders and Marcus Robinson, a bunch of other guys who just didn't do very much for this team. I agree. Uh, if, if I'm looking at... Um, uh, one thing to love about that, I really love the way. Now, Bolkin is a bolder, Sorry, not bolder, Boykin is a much bigger player than the man he was blocking on the sixty-three-yard run. But he couldn't have done it any more perfectly in terms right. of positioning himself on that on that play. Right. Uh, I just love to see that, and and Boykin's earned a couple extra targets from that under your uh, no block, no rock formula. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs>
4: hey, that that is it. If. if I mean, anytime you look at long runs in high school, college, or NFL, there has to be receivers blocking. I mean, it just it has to be, because those runs go from they, instead of them being twenty to twenty five yard runs, if your receivers blocking they turn into six to eighty yard runs. Mm-hmm. So that's my that's where my no block, no rock comes from.
3: <laughs> I keep saying it. So I love I, I I love the love the uh. Thing. I don't know. Is that widely known? It's a, you, you, when you said it was the first time I'd heard it.
4: It's it's widely known for kids that play for me. Alright. So I don't know if it's like a universal thing coaches do or whatnot, and it may be, and I just don't know about it, but it's it's a staple for me. If you, hey. if you can't block, I don't care how well you catch the ball, you just you, your snaps will be limited.
2: Well, it sounds like that should be put on a t-shirt and up on your Patreon page.
4: Hey,
3: be a good one. Shh.
2: Yeah. Hey, <laughs> you, you've got a couple <laughs> hours before this episode comes out to get that up. <laughs> Uh, looking ahead, we, we talked about tests for this team, and they easily made it through the Patriots, Seahawks, and Texans. What's the next big test that we need to look for? How
3: about the 49ers.
4: I agree.
2: All right, you guys are setting it right up for the last <laughs> question in the mailbag, which is about the upcoming games and the schedule shift. Were you surprised that 49ers game was not shifted to the Sunday night 8 p.m. slot and are you concerned that any other Raven games will be this year Uh, Minion Hunter points out week 17 with the Steelers which is the biggest one I'm concerned about because I have a flight at 8 p.m. that night
3: yeah it's it's unlikely Um, if I don't know why they would do this okay no I do know why they would do the Steelers The way the Steelers game would would be flexed is if the Ravens are playing for seeding and the Steelers are playing to get in. But otherwise, they're going to try and make that a game where that decides a division title Mm -hmm. because otherwise you, you have conflicts of interest with what's going on at other times during the day. So you, if the Steelers are actually playing to get in and there's other teams that are playing earlier in the day, it's inappropriate for the Steelers to actually be playing a night game. So I actually think there's a limited chance that that'll be, that'll be okay, done. Good. I think it'll be another divisional game.
2: See, I look at it as Lamar's the most exciting guy in football. They're going to want him on the national stage. No, nah, no. Nah, they're all lineups.
4: I think they're going to, like he said, they're going to try to get the best game, especially if there's a game where a win-and-end situation. They're, they're going to try to get something like that because yeah. I don't, at, at the rate we're going, if we continue to predict upwards, that game won't, won't really matter because we'll already be in as the number one seed. <laughs> Pittsburgh will be you know getting ready for draft.
3: Yeah, You're, you're projecting two more losses for New England if you're, if you're, if you're going to do that. And I'm not saying it couldn't happen. I'm saying it could happen, and then the Ravens have to run the table as well for that last game to mean nothing.
4: I'm just throwing these positive rays out
3: there. There you go. You're, okay. I'm, I'm, I'm basking, believe me. I'm, I'm, I'm hoping, to, <laughs> hoping that's the way it works out. But I think the, the most likely thing is the NFC East game uh, to, to decide the division title, if that can decide on, or the AFC South game to decide the
4: division title would be the most likely Sunday night games that week. And I think if, it, if it's NFC East, it's definitely going to be there because they love putting the Cowboys on TV.
2: Mm-hmm.
4: They love well, it. Well,
2: they're America's team.
4: <laughs> not anymore. It's Baltimore. Have you
3: been reading the paper?
2: <laughs> yeah, does I anybody know. read
3: the paper anymore? Right.
2: Yeah, I'm not sure if they still print papers, but um, all right. Well, remember to get in your questions using the hashtag film study mailbag. Uh, It's it's amazing that when they when they win and they win so well. We don't get a whole lot of questions. People aren't concerned about anything. They just want to celebrate.
3: You know, one of it. the problems was I didn't put out a, a little kicker for it this week. That's, so it's on me, buddy. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm sorry
2: about that. I, I mean, also, everyone played really well on Sunday. It's hard to mm-hmm. question Lamar's decisions when he doesn't drop the ball. It's nice. hard, hard to question the offensive line when they stop everyone from getting through. So
4: When you rush for 230 yards or whatever it was.
2: Right. right. When even Gus Edwards is getting 100 yards, it's hard to question. <laughs> there you go. So All right. Uh, sip to tally. Fill us in again. Plug all that.
4: Um, YouTube Sip the Tally Films, Instagram Sip the Tally Films, Twitter Coach Evans Nine.
2: All right, nice and simple. And Ken, uh, Film Study Baltimore will have the offense breakdown in the next day or so, right?
3: It will. So uh, I've been working on it, and I'll uh, I'll finish it and have it up tomorrow. Uh, hope folks are tuning in occasionally when I'm on the radio. Uh, I have four segments a week, so make sure you get there. And uh, definitely, if you want any kind of detail on what those segments are, come back. Get the timestamp stuff and get your Game Pass subscription going, and uh, and play some film analysis with me.
2: Right, and make sure everyone's following you on Twitter so they get those little notifications when you're going on the air with 105.7.
3: There you go. So at Film Study Ravens and at uh, sorry Film online. All
4: right, all set, guys. Well, enjoy the rest of your week. Hey, um, I want before we get out. Yeah. I want to say uh, happy Thanksgiving, to you guys. Because I probably won't get to talk to you before then. But I appreciate you guys having me on, and and best of holidays to you guys.
3: Yeah, you you too, Thank coach. You. We uh, we love it every time you're here. Appreciate you,
4: coach.